your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Fourth and a half yard at the six of Colorado. Now it's going to be an empty set. Snap back. Adrian's going to run off the right side. He's in there for a first down. He's in there for a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead back here at Folsom Field. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Just another day in paradise, folks. Welcome to Sports Island here on a Thursday night. Hope you had a good day today. Another hot one outside today. Summer hanging on here at the latter part of August. We're glad you're with us here tonight. Busy show for you coming up over the next couple of hours. Nate Klaus going to join us later on this hour from HuskerOnline.com with the latest in Husker football recruiting and what the commitment last night from Thomas Fedoni means for Husker football moving forward. The outstanding tight end from Lewis Central High School in Council Bluffs. We'll have Nate coming up here in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, Teddy Greenstein is going to join us from that BMW Championship in Chicago. He's been out covering that today. My goodness, that golf course is winning today. Sometimes the course wins. Sometimes the players win. Today it's the course. Those guys are having a hard time playing Olympia Fields in Chicago. Today, Teddy, will have the recap for that. We'll also get his thoughts about all the latest goings-ons in uh, Big Ten, in the Big Ten world. We're also going to talk some Oklahoma football in hour number two. Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman is going to join us. OU getting ready for their season opener in just over two weeks against Missouri State. They've had a break out of COVID-19 cases, and it's hit, according to Lincoln Riley, one of their position groups pretty hard. We'll get the latest from Ryan in hour number two. Hour three, we'll have our face-off and our Flicks Picks of the Week. And as always, phone lines are open for you. 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. cellular text line. 531-500-4686. U.S. cellular, the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics. We'll start with the story Austin had in the ticker, and that was this lawsuit that eight Nebraska football players have filed against the Big Ten seeking to reverse the canceled season. The eight Huskers that did this are Garrett Snodgrass, Garrett Nelson, Jackson Hanna, Ethan Piper, Brant Banks, Noah Pola Gates, Alante Brown, and Brig Banks, who is a long snapper. The suit claims that the Big Ten's arbitrary and capricious decision should be overturned because it didn't follow established guidelines. In the suit, it raises three counts against the conference. Wrongful interference with business expectations that the season represents an opportunity for players to work towards a career in football and develop their brands for name, image, likeness. Two, breach of contract by not holding an actual vote within its council of presidents and chancellors. That's been debated, right? I mean, we've had several chancellors say, yeah, there was a vote. We've had the Minnesota chancellor said, no, I don't really think we took a vote. Uh, And finally, declaratory judgment by either not actually voting on the decision or being unable to produce evidence of a vote. Um, you know, this this is a long shot. I, I saw one legal expert say they, they feel like this is a bit of a Hail Mary. Probably so. I salute the kids. I mean, it's not from the parents. It's the signees of this are the student-athletes. And, Ben, if, if it's always about the student-athletes and the best interests of student-athletes, we hear that thrown back at us quite often. Well, here's some student-athletes that are kind of – they're wanting some information. They're wanting some transparency from the league that just hasn't been there uh, throughout the last couple of weeks throughout this whole decision. I applaud them. I don't expect this really to go anywhere. The Lancaster County judge gave the Big Ten five days to respond to this. Um, 
this, I, you know, again, it's a Hail Mary. It's a long suit. But I, I applaud the players for going. We'd like a little bit more explanation. This comes, you know, six days after a group of Big Ten parents showed up at the Big Ten offices and didn't get to talk to anybody. Nobody came out the doors to, to talk to these the parents of these students. So uh, I, I applaud the efforts, realizing that it's a really, really, really long shot. But, hey, at least they're, at least they're fighting along here a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think I think the point is to just send a message. I think that that's kind of the the main goal here. I I don't know that you know everybody involved are going to bed with any sort of expectation on on this movement changing any type of course of action from the league. I don't know that 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 is an expectation here, but more so to just to send a message to the Big Ten. And I don't know if this is intentional or not. Maybe it's just kind of a secondary benefit, but. You know, more more just shaming of the league. I, I think to, to have that, you know, that public uh, perception, to have this out there, to have the Big Ten have to allocate the resources, the time, and the money uh, to this, this is something that they just can't ignore, Greg. And I think that's something that the Big Ten has done plenty of. Uh, Kevin Warren has done plenty of. Uh, just um, just ignore, just put to the side not not give it any time not speak on it this forces them to do something I mean at least it forces them to um to respond in some way and to an extent it worked we got a statement today from the Big Ten um you know the the council that they have and they they put together some information and so even that was arguably more than we've heard from the commissioner today so I think it's already starting to accomplish what it's set out to is just get some answers. And, and again, like th- this, this whole scenario could have been avoided if there's any type of leadership shown at the top. I mean, all of this could have been avoided. And Kevin Warren's just hiding out in a bunker somewhere thinking this is just going to go away. And it hasn't. I mean, I think with the decision, maybe the reaction 24, 48 hours of the public outcry, he knew he was going to get resistance from those that wanted to play. But he, there's no way he expected – the parents or, or even maybe the coaches, the parents, and then the players to all kind of speak out on him and have it elongate this process to where he's he's kind of the the lasers are pointing at him, whereas at, at first they were all pointing at Nebraska and he was able to, to deflect and, and point the attention away from him. Uh, I was a little worried today, Greg, that Nebraska has been the butt of so many jokes and, and so many so much public ridicule from from national writers I kind of thought that would happen again at least in terms of the fans uh but everything I saw from national writers today that put out tweets and I'm gonna say quote unquote reported on this but I'll, I'll get to that in a second but most of the comments I had obviously Husker fans are going to support their athletes but there was there was fans from about every team coming to the defense of Nebraska saying good for them I wish more people would do this uh, standing up to them and just in a turn I was afraid Nebraska would be kind of turned on again as evil and 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 it didn't come across that way at all so I think people are kind of awake to the fact now that this isn't a Nebraska thing it's a Big Ten thing and when I say quote-unquote reported I'm talking about Nicole Auerbach who put out a tweet and and, and to a little backstory on this she she has been all about 
players, college players, speaking their minds, standing up for themselves, believing what's right. She's been pounding that drum, beating that drum for two months. You go all the way back to Chuba Hubbard and what he said at Oklahoma State with the racial injustice. She was all about that. And she's been all about the professional sports taking stands against social injustices today. So common sense would lead you to believe she's probably thinking the same thing. Here you have Nebraska players standing up for what they believe in. But no, it was the exact opposite. She posted that tweet with the response sigh to it when she found out that um, Nebraska players were, uh, were, were, were putting this lawsuit together. So she's completely contradicted herself. She asked questions in, in subtweets after that that clearly she had done no reporting on because if she followed the situation at all, she could have answered her own questions with just some basic research. Um, so, again, I think you have another situation of a national writer. Here you've got the senior writer for The Athletic trying to, trying to turn this on Nebraska as a negative thing, and it completely flopped in her face. I mean, every comment directed towards her was about how much she had contradicted herself over the last few months. So the public shaming from the national media, I think, has completely evaporated, even though you still have national writers that are clearly clueless to the situation. I mean, she clearly has no idea what's going on behind the scenes or even in the public eye at the University of Nebraska, or she wouldn't have tweeted that or asked herself those questions about business opportunities. So I was bottom line here, my point is I'm glad that this didn't turn into a public bashing of Nebraska again when you have these kids that are trying to speak their mind and say how they feel and, and take some steps against you know people of power. So um, I don't think future players at Nebraska or anywhere in the Big Ten are going to feel like they'll be attacked. I don't think that this is a bad precedent to set because of the success that uh, that 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 happened today, at least in the public eye. I mean, if the, if you're dealing with public shaming, you're you're going to sit on your hands and not want to fight back. But who knows? Maybe with all of this, uh, you're going to have you know some some other players elsewhere that wants to do the same thing. And again, Greg, this all comes back to just give us some transparency. Give mm-hmm. us something. Just give us some answers. And it's not really that hard. All of this could have been avoided, and instead it hasn't. So another tough day for the Big Ten Conference and Kevin Warren. Yeah, I think part of the reason, and, and I said it off the top, that there hasn't been a ton of blowback on Nebraska today is because it is a student-driven lawsuit. It's not from their parents. It's students. Kind of hard to bash students if you cover college sports. You bash students, whoa, you've kind of crossed a line. And so I think that's why a lot of these people nationally have had to kind of back up a little bit here. You mentioned the Big Ten did have a statement. They put out a statement after this lawsuit was filed. Uh, they said, quote, we share the disappointment that some – student-athletes and their families are feeling. However, this lawsuit has no merit, and we will defend the decision to protect all student-athletes as we navigate through this global pandemic. We are actively considering options to get uh, back to competition and look forward to doing so when it is safe to play. So that was their official statement after this got filed in, in court today. Um, the Big Ten's lawyer on the call for in the courtroom today basically said Freedom of Information Act does not apply here. That doesn't work here. I kind of wonder, really? I mean, the Big Ten is made up of 13 public institutions where public money is listed. I kind of think there's 
got to be a little bit of freedom of information that's got to be provided by the league. That's what the legal eases will get in the mud about. But, again, I'm proud of these guys for doing it. I I don't really expect much out of it, but I'm proud of them for sticking their neck out there and and doing this today. Speaking of student-athletes, Husker basketball uh, gathered today and and called kind of a quasi-press conference um, outside the Hendricks Center today where they wanted to make a comment about social justice uh, from the men's basketball team, what they did was they came out one by one and they basically uh, said, I support uh, social justice in, in the name of, and it was somebody who had been affected by police brutality or being uh, not given their social justice means. Uh, and then you had a couple players, including Teddy Allen, that did talk for a few minutes about the way they are thinking and feeling. Here's here's a clip from what Teddy Allen, the uh, new player for the Huskers from uh, originally up in Omaha, the Boys Town area, had to say today. There's no de- denying that we have different stories and backgrounds. We all have moments in our lives where we have had to overcome something, but the color of my skin is different, putting me at a higher risk. We are tired of talking about the same things over and over while losing precious lives along the way. Are we fighting a pointless fight? How many more hashtags need to be created by the police for people to start caring? We cannot only care when it's convenient. We cannot only care when it impacts us directly. Caring about someone else's life should fall within basic human ideals. We are standing here together as black and white people, making it clear that we are sickened by the events taking place in our country involving police brutality and systematic injustices toward our black people. We want to play a role in change, and we want you all to join us. No more hashtags, only change. And Teddy Allen, a new member of the Husker basketball team, Kobe Webster was another one that spoke for a little bit more of an extended period of time than just coming out and, and basically saying uh, we support uh, social justice and then a name that they threw out. Pretty powerful scene. The guys came out one at a time in front of the Hendricks Center, went to the podium, said their line, stood over to the side, and then the next teammate came out. It was pretty powerful, and those are some well-spoken words by Teddy Allen, a guy that I've not had a chance to meet yet. He's been on campus for a while, but we're not around the athletes right now because of the pandemic. But um, I I thought it was a nice show of solidarity solidarity by the Husker basketball team. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was was well-organized, and, uh, you know, to have – um, you know, two new players and Kobe Webster and, and Teddy Allen be kind of the spokesman on this, um, I thought was great. Uh, you know, Coach Hoiberg is is always going to stick up for his players. And um, this isn't anything new to Nebraska basketball. You think back to the time when Tim Miles was the head coach and there was some hate speech on the university campus uh, here in Lincoln and how the, the basketball team was, was one of the first groups um, to to stand up against against the hate speech that was um, that was put out against against blacks and black students on the campus, and uh, that's when they came out with the shirts "Hate will never win," and and that's that's never really left the locker room, even though those players and those coaches have. So I applaud them again for for using their platform and sticking up for what they believe in. Obviously, Coach Hoiberg, knowing that you know he has black student athletes on his team that this is going to affect in certain ways you think about a guy like teddy allen greg who has had a really rough upbringing and childhood and uh, i think his path to nebraska is pretty pretty well uh, documented it he's been through a lot and there are a lot of players that have been through a lot and this this affects them this affects them to a point that 
I don't understand be, being a white male. Um, I, but the fact of the matter is that they, they were able to use their, their voice today and, um, and to have you know, some white players stand shoulder to shoulder with their, with their black teammates, I think, says a lot too with, with the unification of this team. And, um, you know, you hope that it can kind of bond them together. But we are seeing this all over the sporting landscape. It is in college basketball. College football had practices that weren't attended today. Obviously, the NBA had the big player meeting today. They're going to take a couple of days off. The National Hockey League isn't playing today. Uh, just a few moments ago in the Mets-Marlins game, Rob Manfred tried to convince the Mets and Marlins to play. You hear a Mets executive saying, we don't want to play. We're not going to play. So what did they do? They took the field, 42-second moment of silence. You had a Marlins hitter uh, place a shirt on top of home plate after the 42-second moment of silence, and both teams walked off the field. So you're seeing this all across sports, and – you know, I hope the message is received. I'm not sure what what's the next step with the postponements and the boycotts, but you know, let's hope that uh, you know some the message is received, and you know, th- th- we can get the ball rolling on on some of these issues. But um, you're seeing you're seeing it from about every organized athletic association in the last 24 hours getting involved. Kind of wonder if we're at a bit of a crossroads for the future of sports, both professionally and collegiately. Maybe that's overstating it. Maybe it's not. But we have not seen this type of uh, cancellations, postponements for anything, really, other than oh, in 9-11 and we were at war for a while in this country, and then the pandemic shut everything down. So it's just we just seem like we're living in really interesting, different times now than at any other time in my lifetime uh, with, with this going on, and it's going to be – it's going to be uh, fascinating to follow. The NBA did vote earlier today, as you said, to resume their playoffs. Not sure if it's going to start up again tomorrow or on Saturday. NHL pausing tonight and tomorrow. Major League Baseball, a lot of the teams that went ahead and played yesterday are the ones that are taking today off. A lot of the ones that took yesterday off in their protests back playing today and doing doubleheaders uh, across the country. So you do have about half the league playing here today. Well, it spun in the right direction for all Husker fans last night with the commitment of Thomas Fedoni, the outstanding tad in from Council Bluffs, and none better to talk about that and other things than Nate Klaus from HuskerOnline.com. Good evening, Nate. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been been very busy, which is always good. Let's go back to last night. Big night for the Huskers with Thomas Fedoni, the outstanding tight end from Lewis Central and Council Bluffs. Uh, what kind of get is this for the Big Red? It's it's huge, um, you know, and I I hate to to say that you know a recruiting class really comes down to one individual because it definitely it, it, that's never necessarily the case, but um, I, I think that you could you could make an argument that uh, Thomas Fedoni was was most certainly I think at the very least. Uh, um, you know, one of those kids that you put into that must-get type of category. I think this is a this is a monster uh, get for Nebraska. Not only do they need uh, tight ends, you know, I, I think you know, having not signed a tight end last year and, and the year before that, um, the tight end they signed in Chris Hickman has kind of made that transition to wide receiver. So you're looking at a, kind of a hole on the tight end roster. So that was a, a position of need. Um, you know, he's just right down the road in Council Bluffs, you know, with a, about an hour's drive of Lincoln and grew up a Husker fan. And 
Um, and, and all that's before you get to, you know, his overall athleticism, his game-changing type of, of ability at 6'5", 225 pounds, running a, a 4'6", electronic 40, 37-inch uh, vertical, uh, tremendous hands. And then he's just his competitive spirit, his leadership, um, he's intelligent. I mean, he's got – he's the total package. And so I, I think that as this class kind of progressed, um, you know, he was always right at the top of the board. And, and, and I do think that he was uh, – he was going to be someone that could either really elevate this class to the next level or somebody that we'd look back and say, man, uh, that class was good, but it could have been really, really special with a guy like Thomas Fedoni. So he was a, he was a monster pickup for Scott Frost and the Huskers last night. Nate, 40-hour, 40, 40 schools, 40 offers for, for him, um, big-name schools. I mean, Michigan, LSU were kind of a, amongst his final choices for this thing. How did Nebraska pull it off? What formula did they use in this thing? Yeah, he, he had every offer under the sun, basically. Uh, and I think the, you know, the, the formula was consistency and, and relationships. Um, now, he grew up a Husker fan, and so I think uh, right then and there, Nebraska had a little bit of a – of uh, you know, they had their foot in the door uh, to begin with, and, uh, but it was it was the consistency of which they were communicating with him, um, and just just those relationships that they were able to build with him and his family. That at, at the end of the day, I think really turned turned the tide towards uh, towards Nebraska. I think um, you have to give Scott Frost an awful lot of credit. I, I mean, he personally was recruiting Thomas Fedoni. It wasn't. It wasn't only when Thomas would make a visit or, or you know, um, once once a month he would get on the phone with Scott Frost. This was like a daily deal where he would he and Scott Frost were talking. Uh, and then Sean Beckton, too. Um, I mean, he had developed a, a tremendous relationship with uh, the Huskers' tight end coach. And, um, and, and that was crucial because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Nebraska wanting to kind of get more production out of the tight end position. And, and, and like I touched on earlier, they, that was a position of great need. And so um, I think, you know, it was, it was big, a big deal for Thomas to be able to really connect with uh, Sean Beckton, which he did. Um, and then Eric Chenander deserves some credit too. He's he's the one that recruits the state of Iowa for Nebraska, and um, and now that Thomas Fedoni's in the boat, uh, you're looking at three kids from Iowa that have now committed to Nebraska, uh, in in three years in a row where they've been able to pull at least one kid out of the state of Iowa. So Eric Chenander's doing a great job uh, recruiting the Hawkeyes state. Nate, have you seen him play in person? I have not seen him play in person. Uh, I've seen him work out in person. I've seen him at, at some camp settings. Uh, he was at the uh, the Steve Warren uh, Academy showcase there in, in July, so I, I was able to, to see him work out and, and uh, um, you know basically kind of go through some seven-on-seven seven and, and some individual drills. Uh, extremely impressive, um, I mean, in everything that he does. Uh, he runs routes like a wide receiver. He's got tremendous hands. Makes just the most ridiculous catches look look pretty pretty easy and, and routine. Uh, but I'm, I'm really excited to be able to actually watch him play in person in pads uh, tomorrow. We're going to be nice. at the game in Council Bluffs. Uh, the uh, Lewis Central is taking on St. Albert. So I'm really excited to be able to to see him in person tomorrow night. 
Fantastic. Nate Klaus with us from HuskerOnline.com talking about the Thomas Fedoni commitment last night that we had late in our show. It happened right before we got signed off last night. What does that do to the class? And, and I'm, I'm guessing a guy that that's, that ballyhooed probably jumps the class up a little bit. Yeah, it certainly did. They, Nebraska's recruiting class was ranked at 37th in the nation prior to Thomas Fedoni's commitment, and it just his addition alone jumped them up to 23rd in the nation uh, last time I checked. So, um, it, you know, it, you're talking a 14-point uh, or 14 uh, position jump there just by adding uh, him alone to to the to the class, which isn't a huge surprise. I mean, he's he's the number 46 overall uh, recruit in the country, regardless of position. Uh, really just one notch below being a five-star prospect. So, um, you know, a player like that is going to certainly carry a lot of weight. Um, Now, as far as, you know, the tight end position, I I think that Nebraska is going to want to add at least one more, maybe even two more, in addition to Thomas Fedoni. Um, And, and, uh, you know, as they kind of get closer and closer to closing this class out, because it is going to be, a little bit smaller than what we've come accustomed to uh, to them signing here over the past couple of years. And, um, you know, with his addition, they're sitting at 16 overall commits for the 2021 class. Nate, he's the second Omaha metro area kid to pick Nebraska this week. Kobe Brett's the other one from Omaha West Side. What about Kobe? What, what, do, what do you think attracted Nebraska to him? Well, yeah, this is another really solid addition for Nebraska. Uh, and it's not too often that you see – a kid who's, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3", 195 pounds, uh, extremely athletic, uh, but but relatively new to the game of football. He's still he's still kind of learning the game of football. He's he's a state champion um, diver, and and so and that's not something that you hear too often about when you're talking football recruiting. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're talking about uh, somebody being, uh, you know, a, a standout on the track or a standout wrestler or something like that. Uh, but he was a state champion uh, diver. And, and to be able to dive at that level and be a champion at that level, um, you know, you, you know that you've got tremendous body control, uh, which he does. And he's, a, he's an extremely physical football player. Um, that's one thing that, that he's not learning he, he is how to lay a hit on somebody. Um, you know, he plays safety for West side, but I think he could potentially be somebody that eventually grows into an outside linebacker in Lincoln. Uh, like I mentioned, he's, he's pushing six, three, um, already close to 200 pounds. And, uh, and I think he's got the frame to continue to, to kind of grow and, and, uh, to, you know, keep filling out similar to what, you know, we've seen in the past with like a, a Luke Gifford who played safety in high school or, or even like, you know, like a Jojo Doman or Isaac Gifford, um, you know, who's on campus now and similar to that, but, uh, really, really good pickup. And, uh, you know, his recruitment started a little slower, I believe, because uh, he had a few issues, uh, maybe a few things to clean up as far as uh, his academic progress was concerned. Uh, but he put in a tremendous amount of work um, both last year uh, to, to close things out in the, the second semester of last year and then throughout the summer. And, and I think after Nebraska saw that progress, um, that's, that's all they needed to be able to, to go ahead and officially pull the trigger on offering him last Friday. And, of course, uh, he committed uh, first thing Monday morning.
Yeah, part of this class now at 16 for 2021. Well, high school football, as you mentioned, gets going really in earnest around the state tomorrow night. Will that slow things down for a while, or is there anything on the horizon that may be coming up for, for Husker to add to the end of this 2021 class? You know, I'll be honest. I, I think things could potentially speed up, um, wow. you, you know, even with, with football starting up. I, I think that, um, you know, like I mentioned, this, this class of Nebraska's is going to be a little smaller than normal, and now those spots are starting to become a little bit more scarce. And so I do think that there's a handful of recruits that may have been on the fence, so to speak, that um, may see things tightening up and, and you know, may, and may want – or it may nudge them to go ahead and jump in the boat. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, actually tonight I'm heading to Westside Creighton Prep, and, uh, and I think one of those guys that could possibly be getting closer to making a decision is A.J. Rollins, uh, the tight end out of, uh, out of Creighton Prep, 6'6", 200-pound uh, tight end out of, uh, out of Creighton Prep. So um, you know, I'm interested to see him and, and Kobe Bretts kind of go toe-to-toe tonight. Very good. Well, uh liquid up a little bit it's hot out there tonight they may have to take some water breaks during that game yeah absolutely it's, it's going to be hot wearing the mask on the, on the <laughs> sidelines uh so but but luckily i'm not in the pads like the like the players are all right you're big white Sox fan how about lucas giolito the other night that was something wasn't it oh boy I, you know I'm, I'm super bummed because i didn't get to see all of it because uh, i was i was moving but uh man i couldn't be more excited uh, about lucas giolito and I mean, he had a great season last year and, and has really just kind of picked up where he left off. And, of course, the, the White Sox are playing pretty darn well right now. So uh, I'm, I'm super pumped about that. I think it's going to be a good September race in that AL Central. Nate, we appreciate it. Have fun watching some high school games the next couple of days, and we'll catch up soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Greg. We're going to talk to our good friends down in Oklahoma. Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma joins us now to give us some updates on the Sooners. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? How are, how are practices going for OU right now? Well, right now it seems to be they're going all right. You know, they had that uh, spate of positive COVID tests uh, over the last couple of weeks with nine uh, two weeks ago and then uh, a, a few more last week. But most of those guys are, are back at practice and just uh, getting ready for the season to start here in a couple of weeks. It's, it's weird because normally the season either would have started or, or would be, uh, you know, just a few days away. Still have a couple weeks to go, but uh, at least down here we're going to get to see some college football, it looks like. Yeah, Lincoln Riley did say that one position group got hit hard. Did he ever reveal what group that was that got hit hard by the virus? No, he didn't. Uh, and, uh, you know, we haven't talked to a whole lot of people since then, although yesterday we got a chance to chat with uh, offensive line coach Bill Beatenbow, who did talk about the challenges of having multiple guys out. I'm not saying that it was the offensive line that had that, that spate of tests, but uh, I know that they have had some, some issues with guys uh, being out and missing practice time. And he also talked about their protocols on how to keep those guys involved after they test positive. They're still in meetings, still on Zoom calls uh, with, with their positional groups and are still able to watch practice. They, they have a, basically a live stream that they're able to see what's going on in practice, even if they can't be out there. Again, visiting with Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. That offensive line should be terrific. Let's go to the quarterback. Who's it going to be? Is there still a battle? Has there been a starter name by the coach? There hasn't been a starter name, but I, I think everybody uh, around knows that it's going to be Spencer Rattler. It's just a matter of time. Spencer Rattler 
even last year during a very limited uh, action, only played three games and it was all mop-up duty, you could see what made him so special coming out of high school. You could see what gives him the potential to be a really good quarterback, the, the accuracy, the poise, the arm strength, things like that, the ability to run. I, I think Tanner Mordecai is a guy that they feel like could be a serviceable quarterback at, in the Big 12 and, and at OU. Spencer Rattler's the guy who has the really high ceiling, who can be another of those guys to follow in the footsteps of, you know, Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. CeeDee Lamb was such a, a weapon for the Sooners offensively last year. How about that wide receiving core coming back? And, and what names could we hear maybe some from that group this year? Yeah, they've lost a lot over there because not just CeeDee Lamb, who was fantastic, but also guys like Lee Morris and Nick Basquin, who were really good role players for him. Charleston Rambo is the guy who it looks like is going to be the number one receiver to start the season, had a really good year last year. Outside of that, though, uh, that group gets pretty thin as far as experience. Now, they've had some transfers in, including Theo Howard from UCLA. They feel really good about his chances to contribute. But I, I think the, the freshmen from last year who came in as, as five stars, Jaden Hazelwood's hurt, no, no idea when he's going to be back or if he's going to be back this year. But those other two guys, Theo Weiss especially and, and Trajan Bridges, have a chance to, to really play some, some key snaps for this team and, and uh, be leaned on pretty heavily at that, that spot. Again, visiting with Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman. We're talking about the Oklahoma Sooners getting ready for a September 12th opener against Missouri State. Let's go to defense, Ryan. So many names back, and that group has been, well, it's been maligned nationally for the last couple of years. I thought they were better a year ago, and with these, all these guys back, i got to imagine this is going to be one of the better defenses in Norman in some time. Yeah, you would anticipate them being significantly better. Excuse me, they took a, a big leap forward last year when you look at uh, third down conversion percentage, when you look at the, the pressure that they were able to put on quarterbacks, they were a much, much better defense. What they didn't do last year was turn people over. And two years ago, during the season that Mike Stoops got fired, they had the, the worst uh, turnover numbers in OU history. And OU football OU football has been going on for a long, long time. So that was pretty eye-raising. And then last year, they actually did worse than that. They had a lot of opportunities, weren't able to convert them. You would figure that some of those are going to start going the other way finally. If they can turn people over and still play the, the level of defense that they did last year in all other areas, they have a chance to be a pretty good defense. They don't have to be a top-five defense in order for OU to com- compete for national championships as long as the offense doesn't drop off much. But they need to be a top-25 type of defense, and I think they've got at least the capability to start building that. All right. Uh, you know, I think the consensus is oh, it's OU's league to win. Handicap the rest of the league for me. Who, who do you look at as maybe the biggest threats to the Sooners here this fall? The one that I, they look at as the biggest threat is just right up the road in Stillwater. I think what Mike Gundy has coming back at Oklahoma State with uh, Tylen Wallace at wide receiver. Obviously, he's, he's coming off some injuries, but they've got a, a pretty good quarterback in Spencer Sanders, uh, one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the country in Chuba Hubbard, and a defense that should be uh, pretty good overall. I think that they're they're the uh, most likely to compete with the Sooners. And then Texas and Iowa State have a chance to be really good. Texas with Sam Ellinger, 
uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think uh, it's just a matter of can they put everything together. You know, that question always lingers. Is Texas back? Is Texas back? It seems like they take a step forward and then take a step back the next year. We'll see if they're able to, to sustain success. And then Iowa State, I think, the, heck, Iowa State's probably got their best team coming back in not only recent memory, but memory period. And uh, what Matt Campbell's doing is pretty special there. So uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that OU is a very heavy favorite to win this league and certainly a very heavy favorite to make it to the Big 12 title game. But uh, there's, there's some other pretty good teams in the league, and uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, Big 12 schedule, especially since – uh, teams are only stepping outside of the Big 12 once this year. Yeah. Okay, uh, $64,000 question. What's the confidence level that this season can be completed in Norman right now? Do they do they feel like that with the testing that they're getting done, with kind of trying to bubble teams up a little bit, that it's helping? What, what Do you have a feel for that from the coaches and, and some of the players? Yeah, I think the confidence level is getting higher uh, yeah. recently. Uh, just because of, of some of the things that we've seen. And, uh, yes, OU had a little spike in numbers, but th- they went down last week. If that can continue, they feel pretty good about their ability to, to finish the season. I, I think uh, especially if testing costs go way down, which you know there's been some talk, talk about different kinds of tests, faster tests, cheaper tests, then it becomes much more easy to, to see the path. But I think – Certainly this next month is going to be the most critical as you you get uh, students back on campus, your players wind up being around a lot more people. Uh, If you can find a way to to keep those infections from spiking, then I think it becomes uh, plausible at least to see this thing through where a month ago, heck, I was one of the ones who was the most pessimistic about uh, the chance of us having a full football season. Yeah. All right. Uh, have they announced what kind of crowds they're going to let into the stadium, or is that still to be determined? Right now it's 25%. Okay. Uh, we'll see if that changes here as we get closer to the season, but it looks like they're going to try 25%, keep uh, groups can sit together, families that have tickets can sit together, but outside of that they're going to have to, to space things out. You know, Our area is going to be drastically limited as far as press. Uh, I think the media is going to be the same way, about 25% of the normal crowd. So it's going to be different. But, uh, again, in that department, I I thought a couple months ago, a month, month and a half ago, that I couldn't see a scenario of us having any fans in there. And now it looks like, uh, you know, a fairly healthy chunk of them are going to be allowed in uh, right now unless something changes. Are students on campus and going to class or on campus and doing virtual? Or is it a hybrid? What's what's happening on campus? Yeah, there's a, a lot of virtual classes at OU, but there are some in-person classes as well. I think most of the football players especially are taking uh, online classes when they can, uh, avoiding those in-person classes when, when they have that ability. But, yeah, students came back a couple weeks ago. They started class uh, on Monday this week, so – um, it, it's going to be really critical, like I said, to see those numbers the last next couple of weeks leading up to the game. And then when they start testing three times a week for game week, I think we're going to start seeing, uh, you know, just how realistic this thing is uh, that we can play. Very good. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're kind of living through you guys right now because we don't have anything to go, so we're just going to keep following along. And, and I, I, for one, I'm hoping that, that you guys get it going and we can watch some football. 
Well, hopefully so, and hopefully in the spring we'll be down here uh, watching y'all play up there. Hopefully that'll work out as they uh, have planned. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. And we need to add to the open that he's always at a golf course. I mean, every <laughs> week he's at a golf course. You're, cu- you're working this one, though. This isn't for play. You're working this week, right? Yeah, usually I'm just working on the short game, but this <laughs> time I'm actually here, you know, filling my, my role as a golf writer at the Tribune, and uh, I picked this spot so Ooh, your viewers can see behind me. Here at Olympia Fields, they have uh, the north and the south course. The north is hosting the BMW Championship this week, and oh, my God. Average score 72.8, only three guys under par. Tough stuff. Yeah, the players found out they weren't in Boston anymore today. Uh, you know, some days the golf course wins, some days the players won. Today was all about the golf course. That that looked like a major course, like a U.S. Open type setup. So, Greg, I don't know if you know the history, but it's kind of, uh, I, I guess you could say ironic. You know, the U.S. Open was here in 2003. And it played like just like a run-of-the-mill PGA Tour event. Vijay Singh shot 63. Jim Furyk set the 54-hole scoring record for the U.S. Open. Everyone was seemingly disappointed. Like the rough had been cut down. It was wet. The wind shifted the wrong way. The, the course got savaged by the media, and the members were really ticked about it. So what happens today? Now it's a regular tour <laughs> event, and it plays like a U.S. Open. I mean... You got the top 69 players on the points list and only three managed to break par. So it's 17 years late, but I think the members are getting a chuckle tonight. Very good. Okay. you No fans. How, how bizarre was I, that, being there covering an event with no fans? So the weird part is, you know, I was by the 10th tee for, for much of the morning. It just happened to be Tiger was teeing off there. Cameron Champ was teeing off there. Uh, Dustin Johnson. And I thought maybe they were going to go through, you know, the normal introductions of, uh, you know, 15-time major winner, and he's won this many Western Opens and BMW Championships. But no, the starter who I talked to, I'm going to be writing about him tomorrow, he was basically just like, now on the tee, Tiger Woods. And not Hmm. even the volunteers were cheering. I mean, it was dead silence. (laughs) All you could hear is like, the electric golf carts riding by. I mean, it's absolutely bizarre that these guys are being introduced and no, not even the volunteers are giving them a golf clap. Teddy, was there any talk of cancellation today on the PGA Tour? We've seen a lot of events around the pro sports taking a day off, uh, protests that started with the NBA. Was there any of that shattered today on the PGA? I would say there was really none. You know, I was able to ask Tiger Woods about it afterwards. Uh, Tony Finau, who's, you know, of Samoan descent, uh, was mm-hmm. asked about it. And, and Cameron Champ. You know, I asked Tiger the question, and even though I knew it was kind of the most ridiculous one of all time, you think Tiger Woods considered not playing in today's event because, you know, of what the NBA and MLB and uh, soccer did? Of, of course not. Now, Tony Finau, he gave some great answers about why he also didn't really consider not playing. And the PGA Tour, to its credit, came out with a solid statement this morning saying they would support, you know, any actions by their players. Now, I don't know if you've heard about what Cameron Champ did. So, I mean, he's very light-skinned, but he's biracial. His father uh, is African-American. 
And he came out and had, wore one white Nike golf shoe and one black shoe. And he scrawled on there, Brianna Taylor BLM. So he said he actually did contemplate not playing, um, but felt he could, you know, I think have more impact playing and speaking forcefully on the issue. So he's one to watch. As you know, he might be the second longest player on the PGA Tour after Bryson DeChambeau. He's an emerging star. He's won a couple times and um, spoke very eloquently on the subject afterwards. Teddy Greenstein with us from the Chicago Tribune. He's covering the BMW Championship Week 2 of the FedEx Cup playoffs there in Chicago. The other big golf story of the week, Teddy, was Phil Mickelson. He made his debut yes. on the Champions Tour on a course that, by the I almost got in my car to drive down to. That course looks beautiful in the Ozarks. Totally. And he, ro- he ran away with the thing, and it looked like he had a good time playing golf for, for the first time in a while. Did you see the one that he chipped off, like the kind of almost like the wood paneling? It was... Yeah. It was it's like about eight or 10 feet above a green. That was fascinating. I mean, Phil, the greatest break of his life was not being in the top 70 in FedEx Cup points. If he'd come here today and even played well, he would have shot 73 or 74. Instead, he goes down there, shoots 61. I think he drove a green that was like 365 yards or something. I mean, he it looked like he had a great time. He was wearing those shades, super relaxed and just blitz that golf course and just reminded everybody how awesome he is so much more fun to finish first in a champions tour event than finish you know 43rd out here where it's 99 degrees yeah you're gonna get cooler weather before the week's over he, he talked yes. about how it's a much more relaxed feeling on the champions tour and you've covered champions events as well is that is that accurate that it's just a lot more relaxing than the regular tour thousand percent greg i mean they've basically made their money um there there are no cuts uh, i don't think maybe only for senior majors you know it's only three rounds they all get it you know it's just gravy i think a lot of those guys are like i can't believe they're still paying me to come out here and (laughs) make bogey make birdies on easier golf courses and yeah it's a great vibe on that tour um it's nice when fred couples plays it he certainly fits but yeah. uh, hopefully we'll see Phil on the big boy tour again soon. Well, one guy that's going to get paid is is uh, Lucas Giolito, Giolito, the White Sox pitcher who threw a no-hitter awesome. the other night. What do you know about that guy? Greg, I covered him a bunch in 2018 when, as you probably know, he was essentially the worst pitcher in the American League. His ERA was maybe 6.18, 6.23, uh, led the league, I believe, in walks. And at that point it was like, wow, this is a former first-rounder, a guy who looks like this is what you mold a starting pitcher at. He's so long, he's tall, he's broad-shouldered, really smart, interesting guy from Southern California. His parents have a, uh, a background in, uh, in the arts and entertainment. Love talking to him, but he got his butt kicked in 2018. Last year he comes out, and he's the best pitcher on the staff and makes the all-star team, and now he throws a no-hitter. So he is uh, maybe he and Tim Anderson are the guys on the White Sox who I would pull for the hardest. And they're making you look good. They've made a big push here in the last two weeks. That's going to be a heck of a pennant race I think they're going to be in in September. I mean, Chicago is is desperate for both teams to make the playoffs, as am I, because as you might have heard, there's no Big Ten football to cover. So I'm definitely open to uh, cover some MLB playoffs. And, right, the Cubs got off to a great start. Then the Cardinals cooled them off. The White Sox have been rallying. You asked me before the season who would have a better record. I picked the White Sox, and uh, they still got a, a good, healthy chance. Teddy, I got a feeling Notre Dame will let you come to their games. 
seriously. Are they going to happen? I mean, it's going to be interesting. They theoretically open September 12th against Duke. Duke. And um, look, Notre Dame, uh, obviously they had a, a COVID spike on their campus, but these schools seem determined, absolutely determined to keep it going. And the intriguing question is, do the spikes on campus actually help the chances of the football team? Because if Notre Dame were to send all of its students home, then they could they would have a bubble on campus with the football players. Now, would the administration go for that if there are no live classes? I think at this point they probably would. So Notre Dame could be really the tipping point for all this because if Notre Dame doesn't play, maybe the ACC falls apart. But if Notre Dame says, we're doing this, it seems like the ACC says, great. And then if the ACC plays more likely that the SEC and Big 12 does as well. Yeah. All right. Get out of those cicadas out of there and enjoy the rest of your weekend. (laughs) Enjoyed it, Craig. Talk to you soon. It's time for Faceoff. Let's go! Let's go! Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Brett Whitty and Austin Orman. We are here. We are back in studio. We are ready to go. Greg and Ben, how are you guys feeling about this week's edition of Face Off? I feel a little better knowing that Tim's not back there in control, <laughs> that, that we've got two cool heads and and going to let this thing play out in a timely manner. So I'm not going to feel rushed. <laughs> And I, I think it's going to go – I think this is a good duo running things. Right Were you now. on a timer last week there, Ben? Let's just say Tim had somewhere to be. Okay. All right. Tim doesn't like a little, you know, a lot of goofing around. He, he, he wants he, it just to get going. Yeah. Very true. It was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Quick trigger. <laughs> Every, any answer is your final answer, basically. All right, well, let's just jump into it here. Question number one, we asked you guys, which three Nebraska tight ends have had at least two 100-yard receiving games in a single season? Ben? Ben, you're in. Matt Harrion? Show me Matt Harrion. Incorrect, great to you. Kyler Reed? Show me Kyler Reed. Ooh, that's a good guess. I'm surprised that's not on there. Mm -hmm. I thought Matt Herring, it was a stud. Two 100-yard receiving so games in a back, season. It's back to Ben, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Tracy Wistrom. Show me Tracy Wistrom. Ben, you are on the board. Would you like to pass or play? I ha- don't I have to play it? Yeah, you There's do now. After, yeah. After two. True. So there's only one left? There are two, two left. left. Jeez. Um, I can't believe Kyler Reed wasn't on there. Um, man. I'm, like, not even sure who to guess. Yeah, this uh, is uh, not not an easy category, I would, <laughs> I would not Thanks for starting us out with this. Yeah, yeah. just to throw you <laughs> off your game, we gave you the hardest category we might have ever put on here. Well, we'll pass your regards on to Josh. You came up with this question. If it yeah. helps, you did get the most recent one, 1999. That doesn't help. That makes it worse. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, good grief, guys. I don't even know who to guess. Um, just buzz me on one, I guess. Buzz. Right. Take, we'll take a buzz. Oh. Strike one, still alive. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, get uh, a, we'll get a timer going here. All right, we'll get a timer. Okay, and I'm trying to think who was on the 94 team because we've got greatest games coming up, and Josh likes to have that angle. Um, that is there. Trying to get inside the mind the producer. Yeah. I like it. 20 seconds. Got to do some detective work. <laughs> having trouble coming up with anybody that played on that team at tight end. How about... Um, Eric Alford? Was he on that team? Show me Eric Alford. He might have been on that team. He did not have two 100-yard receiving games. So you are down to your final strike. Two strikes. I'm wondering if Greg is confident here or kind of a... I think I have one of them. Oh, all right. Damn. Okay, well, I'll just punt on it because I'm not going to come up with it. All right. That is punting from his own 20-yard line. Just probably the smart forfeit. Right, it goes to you. The the only name that comes to mind is Johnny Mitchell. Show me Johnny Mitchell. For the steal. Nice. Greg. That's solid. Those, okay, so the other one was, was Junior Mitch Miller. Junior Miller. In 1978. Uh, wow. Ben, that I did not expect obscure. you to get any of those. <laughs> when, when Connor Reed, I thought yeah. Connor I bet he had one. He just didn't have two. Well, but. I... I, I he had to have had at least one in the K-State game alone. He had like an 80-yarder. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of surprising. Well, and Matt Harrion. Yeah, Harrion was another one. Hi. Yeah, a little, little surprise Harrion wasn't yeah. on that list either. All right. Uh, well, Greg wins that one with a steal. Question number two here. Name the five men and women who have won the most singles titles at the U.S. Tennis Open since 1968. Greg. Greg is in. Greg. Steffi Graf. Uh, show me Steffi Graf. Not in the top five. Hmm. Ben, over to you. Venus Williams. Or, oh, sorry. Uh, sure, I already said. It. <laughs> he's going go with the other one. He's gone with Venus. Incorrect. On give, me, give me Serena and Serena for the for the play. Yes, yeah, I said the wrong one, but I already said. It. <laughs> I think we knew what you meant, but you, you said it, and you, uh, you yeah. So you how many of them are there? Five. There are five. You got Serena Williams, who was sitting God. at six uh, U.S. Open. I can't believe Steffi Graf wasn't in there. It okay, is, I'll, I'll, I got to play because it's the category. Give me Chris Everett. All right, is Chris Everett on the board? He is tied for first with Serena with six. It, US it's a it's a sh it's a she, by the way. Brad, she, sorry, but, she. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Martina Navratilova. Show me Navratilova. No, another good, another one of those good guesses, but uh, Man. incorrect. One strike. Um, what 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 years it go back to? All the way to '68. It's basically the modern era, I guess, of tennis. Uh, give me Virginia Wade. Do we have Virginia Wade on the board? No, it is not. That's two strikes. You got one left. Three more names to get. Um... Man, this is another hard one. You guys are just 
breaking out the top there, one There's tonight. some like there's some big names, but you've guessed a lot of big names. I so sure have. I'd be, I'd be Martina a little... and Steffi, and yeah. those guys are some of the top major winners of all time. Yeah. Um, Martina Hingis. Martina Hingis. Is she on there? <laughs> it is now. Uh, that's three strikes over to Ben. Do you want to steal this one? Well, I'm going to try. Yeah, he does want to steal it. He, he, I don't think Greg he guessed does. all women. We're not talking about just women. Right? No, we're going men Correct. and women here. Oh, I did. I didn't understand the category, I guess. Bad oh, on me. See, Greg probably would have gotten a few more than if, if, he, if he had the men. How about Andre Agassi? For the steal, Andre Agassi. Oh, uh, no. Holy cow. So it would have been like Federer and Sampras yep. and Bjorg. Not Bjorg. Okay. So you got Federer and Sampras. Uh, I the thought it was women. Man, I was going to guess Sampras, too, but I thought I thought Agassi was a better guess. That's It was a good guess. Jimmy Connors was the was the other one. That was the one name that I wasn't sure that you uh, guys would know off the top of I thought of it head. was women only. Sorry Dang. about that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I it should, didn't, didn't hurt you. Should have repeated that one. My bad guess. Yeah, it didn't hurt you. You still got the category. Despite the confusion, Greg takes the 2 nothing lead here as we move into topic yeah, th- th- number three. We've been really good so far here. <laughs> yeah. The buzzes have just Those been are hard like, questions, though. God, I, don't know, I don't know tennis at all. So. No, yeah, tennis, I, I looked at that one. I was like, all right, this is Greg, Greg category. Well, we'll get back into your guys' wheelhouse here with a college football question here, topic number three. Which five active college football coaches have the most career wins at the FBS level? Ben. Ben's in. Woo. Nick Saban. Show me Nick Saban. There you go, Ben. Passing your plan. I'll play. Okay. Active coaches with the most wins. Brian Kelly. Show me Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is close, but not on the list. Yeah, he's got to be up there. Kirk Ferentz. Show me Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz is indeed in the top five. That's two with two strikes to go. Longest tenured head coach. Better be on there. <laughs> um, man, it's like you want to guess some of the powerhouses, but some of those coaches aren't that old. How about Kyle Whittingham? Show me Kyle Whittingham. He was on our top ten list a few years ago for Husker coach. Remember that? <laughs> was indeed. He, Man, he, they he win, they win a ton of games every year, and he's he, been coaching he didn't get a long the job time. Either. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Uh, we we <laughs> went a different direction. <laughs> All right, so Ben, you're down to one strike with three names still on the board. And I promise you've heard of all these guys. I'm sure I have. Yeah. I'm probably out thinking too hard. That's what makes it hurt that much more. Jimbo Fisher. Show me Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo is not on the list. Greg, to steal for a 3-0 lead, are you going to try it? How about Dabo Sweeney? Show me Dabo Sweeney. 
Whoa. Yeah. See, I, is not he, he was one of the list. first guys I thought of, but he hadn't been coaching that long. Since 08? Yeah. Like 12 years? My other guess was Frank Solich. Frank Solich but, would have been a much better answer. He is God. number four among active coaches with 171 wins, just ahead of him in third place. Gary Patterson at TCU. Oh, yeah. Number two is Nick Saban. There's a gap here of 71 wins. Saban is second with 243 wins at FBS programs. Answer number one, Mac Brown, 245 oh, FBS wins. You forget he's a head coach. Kind of a trick. Yeah, it's kind of a trick question because he retired wow. and came back. And North Carolina is not exactly the the name. I mean, Dabo's got to be close to that. 12 years and they've been winning nine. Brian 10, 11, Kelly, 12. Kyle yeah. Whittingham. If Ferenz is at 162, I imagine those guys are in the 140s maybe. Jimbo tail, even. Yeah. Jimbo hasn't been coaching that long, but every year he wins 10 games. True. All right, Ben, you back into a point like Greg did last category, so it's yeah, two sure to one. Yeah. fell into that one. Don't even feel <laughs> good about it. <laughs> We're rolling along here. Question number four, name the four MLB players who have stolen at least 100 bases in a season since 1900. Ben. All right, Ben. Ricky Henderson. Give me Ricky Henderson. He's up there. You want to pass or play? Three other names to get. Have stolen 100 bases in a season? 100 yep. in a season, yep. Ooh. Since the turn of the century. <laughs> 100 bases in a season. Wow. I guess I'll have to play it, right? You don't have to, but I, I mean... Totally your call. If, you, if you'd want to. Ricky Henderson was the obvious one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we could all agree on that. He did it three times, by the way. Crazy. How about Billy Hamilton? Did he do it? All right, is Billy Hamilton up on the board? Oh. He is not. Strike one. Yeah. It's a good guess, though. Good guess. Hmm. And this doesn't have to be... What? Repeat the question again. It's a hundred stolen bases in a single season since 1900. Two guys have done it one time, and two guys have done it three times. Lou Brock, will Lou Brock be up on the board? He is. Lou Brock is up there. He did it one time. Two more names to go. You got two strikes to give. Hmm. Man, this is this is hard. Yeah, this one not easy. Man, this this these questions have been. But so rough. Billy Hamilton actually the highest season for him was 59. That's crazy. I would uh. Well, it's on base percentage is about 220. So. That doesn't help. Yeah, that's that's a good good point, Austin. <laughs> Since 1900. Yeah, it's a. Got a few years to since, work with him. Since there. Abner Doubleday was, was tossing the old. Ty Cobb. Give me Ty Cobb. Oh. He is not. See, I, I thought you were going to get that because that's why when he went back to 1900 to get Cobb. In the oh, yeah, yeah. I know he's stolen at least 90 in a couple. I know he hurt me a lot in uh, SNBL, that's for yes, sure. Yes, he did. He hurt us all. All right, more one rascal. more strike Man, left. I, Two names to get. I'm having trouble coming up with a guess here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. This is not an easy, easy category. 
How about Willie Wilson? Give me Willie Wilson. Not up there. Not up there. Greg. That was on my list. Ooh. Well, that's good. <laughs> I had Greg. that one on my list. For the steal, Greg. You got two steel names to choose from. On the stolen base question. <laughs> Man, base. I, the I, just throwing this one in the dark, but I'm going to go Maury Wills. Is Maury Wills up there for the steal for Greg? Wow. He is Maury Wills. He did it one time. The other name was Vince Coleman. He did it three times. Oh, Vince Coleman, yeah. All right. Well, I Greg, forgot, takes Willie Wilson was. I'm glad you said that, Bang, because I was probably going to guess Willie Wilson. <laughs> oh, the dagger. Man, this this has been hard. Yeah. This is a barn burner. Let's Have we? Has it been a steal every time? I think it has, hasn't I, it? It's been either a steal or a failed steal. I think every time. Yeah. It's true. Well, hope, well, hope you guys can uh, reverse that trend here with question number five. We move to the NFL. We want to know if you guys can answer this question. Which five current NFL franchises have been around the longest? Bang. Uh, that I, was, uh, I heard Greg. I don't know who, what you heard. I, that, was, that was bang, bang. What's the tiebreaker on this? We need the commish. <laughs> Someone on the text line. Ra- text go to it. random number generator. All right, they have great call even or odd. Right, well, or or we or we each get a guess on who gets the number one gets it. Is there a number one? Yeah, who gets the better yes. answer? Yep. Let's do that. Well, who gets to guess ben, first? <laughs> you can go first. Uh, <laughs> man. So this is NFL you're talking about? Yeah, National correct. football National league? football league, and these teams have moved locations in some cases. Yeah. Green Bay Packers. Come and on. I'll say the Bears. Oh, wow, that's so good. That's wow. So, all right, so, so Ben's going to play it because Packers 1919, Bears 1920. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> One single year. All right. And I was going to guess the Bears anyway, so that's so, that's the way it would have gone. There you go. All right, okay. well, so the, now there's three to guess for Ben. Uh, yeah. There you go. Man, okay. Um, how about the Steelers? Show me the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Pittsburgh Steelers are not top five oldest. They are merely spring chickens. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we got the Bears. We have the Packers. Dude, let's go with the Lions. Show me the Detroit Lions. There we go. Back on the board. Two names with two strikes left. Huh. Wait, hold on. Tim's texting me right now. Oh, God. No, I'm not <laughs> no, he probably I'm wants to get his flick pick in. <laughs> now I'm thrown off. Um, how about the Eagles? Show me the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, good guess, man. They were on my list. Again, close, but no cigar. One strike left. Giants. Show me the New York football Giants. All right. That's four out of the five, Ben. <laughs> Can't believe hey, sweep the category. Dang it. <laughs> I got it between two guesses, I think. You want to give Greg Greg a little <laughs> insight? 
Not to rush you, we are running out of bumper I, music. I don't know why. I don't know why it's pulling me this direction. My heart, my I, my gut tells me it's the other one, but I'm gonna say the Washington Redskins. Show me the Washington Redskins. Oh. It is not. All right, Jeez. Greg, you gonna give it a shot? I would have said it was absolutely either going to be the Eagles or the Redskins, one of those two. All right, so refresh me. Give me the ones that he's gotten. Ben has correctly guessed the Green Bay Packers, Packers, Chicago Bears, New York Football Giants, and Detroit Lions. Okay. Get this steal. It's the win, Greg. No pressure. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. And Show I know they've been in a bunch of different cities. The Arizona Cardinals. Mm. For the win. Were, weren't they in Chicago when they started? I, yeah, I think so. Didn't they spend some time in St. Louis as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. But I think they started in Chicago yeah. and then went to St. Louis. Boy, that was, that was, you went deep for that one. That was a good one. Absolute barn burner, gentlemen. That Would you have got that, Ben? No, I was thinking the Browns. Yeah, I, that's a hard yeah. one to just I can't believe with. the Eagles weren't. Eagles had to be like number six or – Redskins had to be yeah. in there. I don't know. They were all really close. Just see, yeah, Chica- Chicago and ni- yeah, Chicago, and then uh, looks like Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and then Phoenix. Wow, those were hard. Yeah, we that, had a, the mean, buzzer was gonna work out tonight. I'm pretty sure every single question required answers before I was born. Yeah, can confirm. That, yes. That's true. Yeah, we we, yes. we went in the way back machine for this one. That's all right. I tried. <laughs> Good effort, Ben. Is that it? Greg, That's Greg it? earned it. That's oh, I didn't Greg know that I won it. That was a yeah. pretty impressive win from Greg. I'm not going to lie. I can't believe I mi- didn't even hear the U.S. Open question yeah, right. Yeah, see, yeah. You would've, that would have been a lot more impressive if I would have. Yeah. All right. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, time for this week's edition, and Ben, we're going to lead it off with you. Great. Love batting leadoff. Um, yeah, most of us haven't, hasn't, haven't been in the, in the situation where we're stuck somewhere remote by ourselves with a, with a chance to, to win money by just surviving, but that's what I'm watching right now. It's got my attention. This is a whole new level of survival, and we're trying to film it. I commend anyone who can survive in this area. There's a bear right across. I feel like I'm starving. I didn't come here to get killed. It's going to be hell. so loud up there. Hey, bear. What was that? alone is more authentic than any other survival program out there there are no gimmicks it's just men and their cameras and their will to survive so i love survival shows just love them man vs wild uh dual survival um survivor man all that stuff i love watching those this is there's only one season on netflix but this is a show called alone um there's 10 people they're they're put in uh in in a in a wild wildlife habitat area whether it be the arctic the desert whatever and they have to live they have to survive the one who makes it the longest wins a bunch of money it is very entertaining wow how many parts is it uh 
I don't know. There's a handful of seasons out there. There's one season on Netflix right now that we're watching, and they're in the Arctic, and they get they get to bring like ten items with them to try and survive, and yeah, to 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 watch them build the shelters and and forage for food, find water, not injure yourself. I mean, all all that stuff. It is. It's is very it, entertaining. Is it, is it like a six or an eight part series, or how long? I mean, there how many several episodes? episodes. I mean, there, they, yeah, there okay. are several, several. Several. I think the episodes are like forty minutes or so. But yeah, there's okay. there's a bunch of episodes. Gotcha. Oh man, that's that's chilling to hear that. All right, good stuff, Austin. Well, first of all, I just want to say that ten items seems like a lot. Now, not as many as I'd probably like, but based on some of these other shows, ten items seems like a lot. Um, well, Tim wanted me to seed my time and read off a list of his favorite foreign films, but I refused to do that. So, Jeez. sorry, not sorry, Tim. I haven't watched any. I can't lie to the people like that. Unless Ben, unless ben wants to hear him. Nope. <laughs> I'll wait answer. to hear him from Tim himself. Fair enough. I, I don't deign to replace Tim in, as our uh, resident cinephile. So, I've just still been going through Space Force. We're almost through the season, but mostly I've been watching live sports. They're back. i got to enjoy what I can get. So, not too much on my on my uh, Netflix plate right now. Ben's making fun of us for watching Space Force because he bailed after the second or third episode. I just, I think I saw the fourth or fifth one, Austin, where he goes and goes in the uh, the desert bubble with the other yeah. three people for a week. So I just saw that one. I don't know. It, it's, you don't have to think a lot when you watch it. That's the one good thing about it. Right. It's pretty low, bro. You can just kind of sit back. You don't have to be invested, and in it. it's only one season, ten episodes. You can, you can make yeah. it through. It's fine. It's a garbage yeah. show. Save your, <laughs> save your time. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. I, I, my, my next thing after I finish it, I am going to go watch the, the latest season of, of Last Chance You. I am going to go do that. And I still have not seen the season finale of Yellowstone. I'm I'm up to the season. I I was behind a couple of weeks. I got a couple of episodes in this week, but I'm not. I'm up to the finale, and I hear the finale is breathtaking. So cannot wait to finish that off. I'll do that this weekend and uh, put season three of Yellowstone in in my rearview mirror. Man, it is a good good show, Ben. You got it. You got to try to find a way to go watch. I know it. Seasons. I just every time you talk about it, I just get mad because I there's just not a a great way to to access it. But yeah, that. That show is is on the top of the list for sure and has been for some time. It's on Paramount Network, and they've been going back and playing back some of the first couple of seasons on Paramount, but then, then you got to try to catch those live. It's better if you can get it on a Hulu. I don't think it's on a Hulu or a Netflix yet, but it's going to have to be. It's really, really good. All right, did Brett have anything to contribute? I know he's back there. I didn't know if he wanted – I didn't want to keep him out if he had something. Uh, I haven't been watching a whole lot. I did catch up on the latest season of Last Chance You. Uh did you I, like it? I, I did like it. I mean, it followed. Yeah. It follows the same template. It sound. It looks good. It sounds good. But uh, the team was not good this year. <laughs> no. Is it Laney? Laney College? Yeah, or something Laney. Like that? Laney and Oakland. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to get to it next after I finish Ben's favorite show, The Space Force. So, looking forward to that. All right. Tomorrow night. <laughs> tomorrow night on the program, Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald will join us. He covers Husker football and baseball. We'll get his thoughts on some of the things that have happened for Will Bolt's program over the summer. All those guys got a chance to play. We'll have um, Beyond the Headlines makes a return tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. We'll have our weekend preview, weekend review, and our winners and losers of the week. So busy night tomorrow night. Thanks to Ben, to Austin, to Brent, and all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy the rest of your evening.